welcome into part two of our conversation with Derek Dukes, uh, AWA Unleashed, again, the preeminent uh, podcast dedicated to the American Wrestling Association. And uh, you see on the screen, my name is Chris Tubbs. You know who I am. And uh, you also know who uh, this guy is, is I'm going to bring in Mick Karch. And Mick, we had so much fun. We had to break it into two because these stories that Derek, or Derek Dukes is telling, I mean, th- these are incredible stories. These, these are these are ones that this is what you, you live for when you put together a project like this. Well, the thing of it is, you know, wrestling fans see the glamorous side of the business. Mm-hmm. They see the glitz. They see the pyro. They see the half-million-dollar TV production. They don't see what Derek and I saw back, you know, 30-some years ago at Ropers and Fridley, the snake pit, as I called it, you know, for 50 bucks or 100 bucks with people crawling all over each other. Uh, trying to get to the wrestlers, wrestlers fighting o- over into the bar, you know, pouring a drink over a guy's head. And <laughs> uh, you know, those 12, 13-hour road trips to Winnipeg and so on and so forth. So Derek was there, and I'm just blown away by the fact that it is that long ago. I mean, that that's what really gets me. Dukester and I are, are sharing these stories, and hopefully yeah. everybody is getting kind of a taste of what it was like back then. But then it, 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 it's kind of heartbreaking for me too, because I think I remember this like it was yesterday. And my God, this is almost four decades ago. But isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a good thing though? When you guys oh, remember yeah. things like that, like you remember them fondly. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't trade the memories for the world. So uh, Derek Dukes and, you know, I, I said last week, great friend of mine. So, this is a real kick. So we're going to pick it up right now, bring it back in the Dukester with uh, part number two. And Derek, where I'm going to pick up here is just before you had the transition to the AWA. Now, there were a lot of guys that you were working with at Ropers and Fridley or up in Winnipeg that coincidentally made the transition to the AWA along with you. And I'm talking about, you know, Ricky Rice. I'm, I, I'm talking about Larry Cameron, a sold on off. The guys that you were wrestling with at Ropers and Fridley, all of a sudden, here's this door open to the AWA. How did that happen? Well, first of all, I call him Soul Daddy. Soul Daddy. Uh, Russian Crush, he went to the to the AWA, and he, you know, he, him and Ricky were close, so he got Ricky in. Ricky, oof, Ricky tr- tried getting me in, but I can't, I can't. Okay, John Paul came back, so they were using John Paul and Ricky, and then. Uh, uh, how I got in was I was Wahoo was going to use me to do jobs, I believe, up in a uh, uh, show up in way up Minot. Minot, remember that? I said, well, I can't make it too short of a notice, so I, I didn't I didn't go. But it got uh, – I would go to the matches with Ricky and, and John Paul, uh, but they didn't use me. But it happened strange. What happened was, Mick, Rob Russell was 
was working in the office there at the AWA. And so Rob had a tour to Europe, but, but apparently Vern says, look, that's not enough money for that tour. I'm not sure if this is correct. So he didn't want to send his, send, send the AWA guys there. So Rob, Rob, who, 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 who I met through Ray Webby, Ray Webby is the one uh, that I met Rob. Ray, Rob showed up on a show we were doing out there at the Holiday Inn out there by 3M and Maplewood. And so he said, well, look, I'm going to take these guys. They took He, he wanted Ricky because Ricky, yeah, Rick, myself, Ricky is Top Guns and the Terminators. And then, uh, uh, then had, he, the rest of the guys were some from out east. And then you had the, uh, 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 Wendy Richter. Bambi, uh, Peggy Lee, uh, the farmer's daughter, I forgot her name. She was uh, Brandy May or whatever. And so, so I want to, um, they talked Ricky out of going. Uh, uh, um, Dana Bitty says, listen, we're going to go back next month. You just go with this group. Don't, don't. And so Johnny Love took Ricky's, Ricky's spot. But what happened was before before I left for the tour to Europe, so the Terminators and myself and Johnny Love, Rob had me come in and do an interview with Vern and Greg Gagne. <laughs> and so I did an interview and they asked me what, you know, what we went through the whole spill and, you know, I said, well, I just, you know, like to work for you. And, and uh, I, I, I see there's not a black wrestler here, which I don't know if I should have said that, but. Um, I, I thought that was good in the interview, but I, I don't think that was good to say later as I thought about it. But I, I you know, when I watched the interview, the guy I did, I mean, that was my goal to get in there, you know? Yeah. So, so they go, okay, okay, well, we'll, we'll see what happens, kid, you know? So I, off the, off the tour, I go, I, I don't remember how long we we're gone, month, month and a half. Uh, I can't remember, four weeks, I can't. So, so. Something happens as I'm coming back. We something happened. We had to end up staying uh, in New York instead of getting back to me. Something happened, so I was a day late getting back getting back home. And so I got back home. I was just tired, you know, because that's you know that was the longest tour I'd been on, you know. So and we were we were all over. We weren't. We weren't like when I worked for Otto, we sit in a spot for a month. We were like every day, and then you we were different countries. We were just moving around. Uh, France, Europe, uh, uh, Austria, Germany, uh, Denmark, uh, all, all kind of places. So I get back home, you know, and I, I you know, get to get some rest. I go, oh, man, I got a few bucks in my pocket. And I think I was putting a, a radio on my motorcycle. Oh my car! I, I got. Oh, I could buy a new radio for my motor. I think it was motorcycle. And my roommate comes running out. Goes, Derek, Derek. Somebody says you got to go back to the airport. I ain't going back to no airport. I just, I just got off the plane. No, no, no. They said you got to go back. You better take this phone call. What? <laughs> it was late in the day. So I get. I don't know. It's just late now. I get. I get back. Uh, I asked her. <laughs> it is Rob. I said, look, you got to catch a plane in the morning. It's in a few hours there. And so they, they want you in Las Vegas. And boy, did my face, did my face light up. Boy, I go, I couldn't believe it. I'm going to be in the AWA. Oh, oh. 
man, I was just on cloud nine, and then I, I flew there, and uh, that's that's pretty much how I got in, you know. That right like that. That that's wow. so great, you know. And and I remember too. If we're gonna, if we could get the. Uh, a picture up here in just a second about a guy I want to talk to you specifically about. Uh, but I remember too, man, when I, when I got the call from Greg Gagne and Greg said, you want to do some announcing on the ESPN? I didn't care that the AWA was, you know, in its dying days or whatever. I was going to be on TV with the AWA. And, uh, you know, so I, I know exactly how you're feeling or how you felt at the time. It's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, superstardom. Uh, a, a guy I want to talk to you about is somebody that I always felt was so underrated and so underused, and he had superstar written all over him. And I know that's a good friend of yours. And I'm talking about the late, great, lethal Larry Cameron. Uh, I had the the honor, the pleasure of going on that Australian tour with uh, with you and Larry and, and so many others. What a tragedy that this guy, with all the talent that he had, and I mean he was oozing with talent, one of the greatest heels that I've ever seen in the business. His life was cut short, of course. You had a great friendship. Talk to me about Larry Cameron. Well, <clears throat> Larry and I met uh Camp, you know, we didn't kind of, we didn't, you know, we didn't really, get, you know, talk to each other much at first. You know, it took a little while because, you know, it's, it was like, okay, there's another black. You know, I figured out that's how it works. Bruiser Broly told me that. You know how that works. One of you in and one of you out. I started laughing. <laughs> wow. As I thought about, as I thought about what he said as a kid, I'm going, yeah, that's why you usually see. One, one in it, one, you know, that's one, one in, one out. I go, no, yeah. So, you know, but then we got to be very good friends. And uh, we had so many road trips together, and, and we became so close. And, you know, we I knew what, what we knew about Larry's heart because, Mick, uh, well, let me, let me, let me go back. He's very talented. He 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 ended up well. He worked in AEW a little bit before he went to Cal. He wanted to go to Calgary, you know, and he became a much better wrestler when he came back from Calgary. But they would he would get bad write ups. I look at some of those sheets about he's limited, and you know he and he was Larry was old when he started. You know that. Uh, I want to say he was thirty eight. Late. He was old. Yeah, you know, not, you know, for starting in the business. Yeah, yeah. that's late. And so, wow. um, uh, yeah, he went in, you know, he, he was, he, you know, he, he, I, I, I worked with him. He's real stiff at times. And so was I. So I can't say any different. But uh, he, he also got a shot. I don't know if you know this, Mick. So we, what we would, what we would do to each other, we would pick up the phone, act like we were like WCW, WWF, you know. And we would act like we were one of the promoters. Hey, I need you to do a show. You know, we would just torture each other like that. And so one day he, one day they called him from Atlanta, and he thought it was me on the phone. And he kept saying, "Dude, quit messing around." And they kept saying, "This is," <laughs> it was, 
It was actually WCW. They needed him to take. Uh, oh, I don't know if Butch Reed was hurt or Ron. So he had to go down there. He went down there for a week. Yeah, week week with those guys. And I would have thought they would have found a spot for him. You know, but that, I don't know. They didn't. But, uh, yeah, he was down there for, I don't want to say a week or so. And then they came back home. But, uh, yeah, he was, he had, you know, we knew of his heart issue because Larry and I, I forgot where we were. But we both failed the, uh, without each, you had to take a, a test, and we both failed the, the, the heart test or something. So I come back home, I go, well, I went to my doctor, and he goes, well, your, your, your heart's beating too slow. And he goes, do you run a lot? Go, well, yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't run a lot, but I played basketball, you know, at the gym after that. But Larry's heart was skipping beats. So they, my, my doctor overrode mine so I could wrestle, but they, they wouldn't override Larry's. And so uh, Larry wasn't supposed to lift weights uh, over five pounds. So he, you know, he went to Europe. He went to work for Otto, and he got me over there. And, uh, you know, we all do things we taking, you know, muscle-enhancing drugs and steroids, that just hurts your heart even more. And uh, I knew yeah. something was strange with Larry. I knew something was really strange because before I came back home from Otto's tour, Larry, I was in his caravan, and he told me, yeah, I'm going to give my car to my little girl. What is he talking about? What's he mean going to give his car to his little girl. She's, at at that time, Chelsea was, I don't know, two, three years old, I think, maybe. What is he talking about? Well, I come back home. He stays there with his girlfriend. He comes back, goes back, starts the tour, and then I get, I think, Mick, you interviewed me when he passed, because you interviewed me at Ropers that night. That's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you interviewed me at that, and I didn't know because I got a, a, a message on I don't know uh, on my telephone. My my buddy Mike, I was living with Mike Smith at the time. He goes, "Hey man, Wade Keller left a message on the phone. Something's with Larry." I go, "What?" So I go do the show, and then I get a call from over in Europe. It's uh, uh, Mike, Mike, who was um, was Mantar in WWF or. or he was bruiser. He was uh, bruiser Mancino over in Europe. Sure, he sure. Said, yeah, uh, passed. Yeah, he passed away, and so yeah, it was really sad, you know. I I we had a lot of fun. Never, I'll never forget that that night at Ropers, Dukester. When I you know I I walked into that locker room downstairs, and I and Eddie said, "Yeah, I can believe this. Larry just passed." You know, and then, you know, I went upstairs and like you say, I interviewed you and I announced to the crowd that, that Larry had had passed in Germany. Uh, listening to what you're saying then and, and that story about Larry and his daughter. So are, are you are you guessing then that Larry had an inkling that something either was around the corner or he was going to be a short timer or. Did he have some kind of a premonition? What, what's your take on it? 
Well, I'm convinced. I'm convinced he knew he was going to die. So, uh, we both used to talk about death a lot back then, you know. But uh, we we would jokingly do it. When Larry stopped laughing about death, that's when my I thought, man, maybe he's really concerned. And he he was supposed to follow up with the doctor, and he's telling me he was, but I don't think he was. And when he when he said this, and I, as I thought about when he passed away, he said this to me one night. That kid will be better off if I'm dead. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and so, but the thing about it is, I, I said, Larry, you know, I know you love your daughter, but man, you got like eight kids. What about them? I don't know how many kids he had. He had a he had a bunch, you know. And uh, but I, I I said, man, this. And then they were they were telling me, man, the next year when he was on that tour, he, he couldn't he couldn't breathe. He go lay on the ground and he lay in the and sometimes he'd be out in the rain after his match on all fours, hands and knees, and that's that's your heart when you're not getting enough oxygen, you know. But you can't keep taking, you know, not going to doctor. You can't keep, you know. You can't keep doing that. And I, when he said that kid would be better off if I'm dead, I go, oh boy. Yeah, wow. that was, I said, he probably knew he was going to pass away, you know. My God. What do you do? You know? Man. Well, you know, I, wow. I, it, it, it was such a, it was such a kick to be on that Australian tour with you and Larry, and I, I think we got a, a pick coming up here of uh, another guy that was on that tour by the name of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. If uh, if we have that uh, picture ready, there we go. There, There's you and I and Mr. Wonderful in the ring oh. at, uh, at Australia's Wonderland. And, of course, Paul was working babyface on that tour. Uh, you know, Paul was a hell of a guy. I remember I had to babysit his son, Travis. You know, I had to watch <laughs> him in the catering department, you know, <laughs> to make sure he, you know, he didn't get in trouble or what have you. But what a tour that was. Paul Orndorff there, of course, and, and we mentioned Larry and and the Thunderfoots, you know, David Isley and, and Gene Ligon and Hillbilly Cousin Luke and, of course, our good friend, uh, Chief Jules Strongbow, Frankie Hill, uh, and Kamala. I mean, my God, what a tour that was. And I will never be able to thank Rob Russin enough for bringing me along on that tour, let alone, remember they gave us the run of the of the merchandise stand one afternoon there oh, yeah. in, at Australia's. They said, guys, go help yourself to merchandise? Yeah, man, that's the best tour in and there's two uh, there, ever. There's our there's our buddy Rob Russell. Yeah. yeah, hard to believe, Dukester. And you know, talking about you know time frames, that's going on. That's 31 years, buddy. 31 years ago mm -hmm. that, we were, uh, that we were there. So, uh, yeah, time doesn't stop for anybody. Uh, I'm I'm going to move ahead here a little bit because I know there's one topic of conversation. And I know, Chris, you want to get into this as well. As good as you were in the wrestling ring, Derek Dukes, and you were good, you may be best known for one of the 
one of the most controversial angles in the history of professional wrestling in the AWA. And, of course, I'm talking about the situation with Colonel De Beers. Mm -hmm. And uh, people are still talking about it. And, again, it's 30 years later. First of all, and I know Chris has some follow-up questions, talk to me about your relationship with the Colonel, uh, Ed Wisconsin, Colonel De Beers, outside of the ring. Did you get along with him? What was the relationship? Yeah, yeah, I got along with Colonel. Um, <laughs> the one thing I noticed about, about right at sometimes I, I would ride with him in a van, and we'd have to stop, you know, after the after the show, we'd have to stop every thirty minutes because he only had one kidney. I go, Colonel, quit drinking all that beer, man. We ain't never gonna get back to the hotel wherever we were going. But he was, you know, he was a great guy. I mean, he. He played a kind of racial thing, but we had, we had fun with each other. We had, a, I learned a lot from him. So I had a lot of fun with Easy Ed. And uh, I told a story one uh, after that uh, that match, the paint match. And I remember uh, it was the same match over and over. And then I think I told a story before. One night, he was sick or something. He goes, listen, kid, you got to listen to me. Not, you got to listen to me. We're, I, I can't do much. And uh, I, we were somewhere out, out east. And never in my life have been in a match where you sit in a rest hole that long. And I think I can't remember the high spot might have been for me to reverse the figure four. And the place just came unglued. But uh, we were in a rest hole the whole match. I'd never been through that before. And so he ran out the ring, I believe, and he's did the money gimmick when they had to pay him to get back in the ring. I think he took one bump and left. But, yeah, I got along with uh, with Ed. He was, he was a great guy, a great, uh, great teacher, and, uh, yeah, I hope he's doing well. You, I talk, you know, I talked to one time Scott years ago. It might have been about 15. One time uh, Scott, Scotty Zappa and uh, – uh, uh, the high rollers guys, they used to go out to go out to Vegas. Oh, and yeah. they got Colonel on the phone. Yeah, so they I talked to Colonel on the phone. Might have been might have been 15 years ago. Yeah, easy Ed. <laughs> I, I I actually I saw the Colonel. This is probably four or five years ago at Cauliflower. Uh, you know, he he still he still looks good. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Colonel and the high rollers. At Scotty Zappa in Las Vegas, and I remember <laughs> at the casino, they'd be sitting at the bar probably about ten o'clock at night, <laughs> and I'd go upstairs and go to bed. You know what kind of a social life do I have? And I would come downstairs yeah. at about six in the morning, seven in the morning, and they were still there. <laughs> they were still sitting at the bar. They're, you know, they're, they're, it, it was always Jerry Anderson who, you know, Jerry was passed out on the bar. He didn't know where the hell he was. <laughs> but, uh, but Sterling and Turnbull, you know, they, they hung in there pretty good. Uh, Chris and I have talked about this angle with the paint and the whole thing. And, and yeah. Chris, I know you've got some questions about it because we are just floored that as conservative and as old school a guy as Vern Gagne was, that he would go along with this this – Racist angle. What do you think, Chris? 
Yeah, I mean, what was when you first heard about this idea, Derek? I, I mean, was that something that, like, were you okay with it? Was it something that you were, you know, even though you were friends with, you know, Ed outside the ring? I, I mean, in terms of like putting this in front of the crowd, what was your reaction when this idea was first thrown your way? Uh, you know, I get asked that question. I don't, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't, okay. I just, whatever they wanted. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't bother me. I didn't, I don't like saying that kind of stuff, but I was, my, my, my opinion was I was not attacking another race, you know? Um, I, I, I answer, I've answered this question before. I think that one of the things that bothered me, only thing bothered me, uh, one, you know, Ricky Rice and myself used to mimic, uh, the Iron Sheik. And so one day, you know, we all laughing at it. So one day, Greg said, look, I want you guys to go on camera, you know, and we'll have you guys work against the Sheiks. And I was more uncomfortable with that because we were saying, Rick and I was saying racial thing towards Arab, but was to me a little uncomfortable. But me painting you black, because South Africa at that time was a bad place and sending you back, that, that, that's not really, in my opinion, a little racial. You know, it's, right, I'm going right. to paint you black, send you to South Africa. But, but when we're saying stuff like we were saying uh, mm. or about the Iron Sheik and Adnan, uh, I thought was a little, uh, I thought was a little more uncomfortable, I should say. But, you know, we did and got up there and it looked funny and the only thing that got me, we never ever wrestled those guys. Because so, I think, I think, I think, uh, before the angle got going, Kaz, uh, 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 Iron Sheik went went back to Atlanta, you know. And someone, someone told me, you know, he's so funny. Someone told me the Sheik got on Atlanta's TV and thought he was wrestling us, so he was. <laughs> So he was cutting a promo. He's sitting on TV series. Yeah, he was mentioning our names and you know. Oh, he was so funny, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. Hey, I, I remember so, one time. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no. I I you you go ahead, then I got a follow-up question. I just remember one time we were cutting promos uh in Iron Sheen and he was supposed to say AWA, but he kept saying A W W W A A W W F. Vernon Grace is chic. It's the A W. He never did get it right. <laughs> he just said, "Forget it." Oh, he was so funny, and he do stuff, and you'd be on the ground laughing. And he'd look at you so serious, goes, uh, uh, "What's so funny?" <laughs> you know. Oh, I, I, want to ask, I want to ask you about the other sheet, too. That was going to be my follow-up question. I want to talk about Adnan L. Casey a little bit because uh, Adnan, Adnan was a real character. And, of course, he came into uh, Ropers and, and did some shows there and, you know, got involved with you and, and Tommy Ferrara. And, I, you know, I remember he'd always be talking, Derek Duke, I'm going to take care of you. You know, he'd, he'd do all this. What kind of a, a relationship did you have with Adnan? Well, you know, I, I used to love around with Adnan because he, he'd make a road trip uh, uh, well because he'd tell all the stories, you know, all the 
stories. I mean, he tells stories like about Pamperl Furple, Pepper Gomez, or the ribs they used to do on people. And uh, it, it, it makes the time go, go so fast writing with him. Um, so he, uh, he, he, he was so funny to wrestle against because whatever you, whatever you did to him, if you barely touched him, he's going to scream and say, call you a stiff, you know, stiff prick. Oh, Ford. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to barely hit you. <laughs> ah, you stiff, you stiff prick. Ah, ouch, ouch. And he, yeah, he was, he was fun to wrestle. I, I think I got Adnan mad at me. Well, I know I got him mad at me. Uh, I saw him a, year, a few years ago, and he uh, over uh, uh, the first time I did one. Uh, uh, I saw you there, Mick, over in uh, West St. Paul there at the at the at a show. Sure. And uh, I saw Adnan. He act like he didn't remember me. I go, why is he mad at me? And it took, and I was talking to his kid because his kid was so huge. I, last time I saw his kids, they were little. We were at his house in the diner. He had a, a party. And so I was talking to his kid. Goes, My dad doesn't know. I says, oh, I don't know why he's. Then I remember why he's angry with me. It took me a while. And it was over a, a show that I did not show up for. <laughs> because, uh. because my pay kept dropping. I went, yeah, my pay kept dropping. But, you know, I tell guys, I tell guys well, years later, I says, you guys don't do, don't handle your be a professional. Don't handle your business like I've done to certain people by not showing up. Just tell them, look, if you're not going to pay me the right amount of money, I'm not going to show up. Don't there just not go. show up. And because that's not the way to be a professional. That's not the way to that's not the way to do business. And I think I did, I think I've done that twice. Being angry like that. I know guys did a lot, but I that's that's not I would talk to guys in the you know years like don't do anything like that. If you don't like your pace, look, I'm not coming. So don't use me, you know. Absolutely. But and that was Adnan was fun. You know, yeah. you, you you mentioned something about Adnan and it it got me remembering some of those shows at Ropers and Fridley. And Adnan, of course, at this point, you know, he's kind of towards the end of his career. And to say that he didn't want to take a bump is kind of an understatement because I remember I'd be calling the matches and Adnan would be in the corner and a guy would be giving yep. him like arm shots and Adnan would like turn his shoulder and his back, he wouldn't even take a, a forearm shot to the sternum. Nope. Let him take nope, a bump. It's, see, it's time to get out of the ring at that point. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, it's a it, it is, but Mick, you're totally right. You you couldn't hit him because he turned sideways, and so you'd be laughing at him because you won't he won't let you get nowhere near anything but his side of his shoulder. Oh. <laughs> so I, in a battle royal, I would stay away from him because you can't get nothing done with him. You see? <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah, so I ain't going over by you. Is you know making my stuff look weak. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, great. Uh, Mick, did you want to do some work association or uh, did you want me to ask? Say again? Well, Mick, did, we did you see how big his kid was? 
Oh my God. Massive. Massive. Yeah. He, uh, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, there was, you know, some tragedy involved there, uh, you know, with his son. So Adnan has, he's not had an easy, an easy go of it by, by any stretch of the imagination, but boy, what a character, what an unbelievable character. Uh, just real quick. Dooster, before, Yeah. What, what happened, what happened to his kid? Uh, if you're talking about the older son, uh, unfortunately his older son, uh, Khalil, I believe, um, he, he met an unfortunate end um, probably a couple years ago. And uh, there was some overdosing involved. And, and unfortunately and sadly, Adnan lost lost his son. So, um, yeah. It, oh, wait, wait. Does he have two? He had, he had two one sons. So I think this yeah. is the – okay, Mick, he was the one at the show and – uh, West St. Paul, that's not the one that's passed, right? Uh, you, you know, I, I don't remember. I know that the, the larger of the two, I mean, he was really massive. Um, you know, he's, uh, you know, had a big, huge bodybuilder type physique. Uh, he's the one that, that passed. So no wonder, uh, no, wonder he, no wonder he's not. He used to he used to Facebook me all the time. I was wondering what happened to him. That's what happened. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, it, wow. very, very sad, you know, and it, and it kind of, you know, did a number on Adnan, needless to say. Um, so Adnan has, you know, kind, kind of stepped away from things a little bit. Um, you know, the last time I saw him, I saw you the same day. Uh, uh, Road Warrior Animal was there and Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom and Adnan and the Baron and so on and so forth. But uh, but Adnan is, is just kind of keeping it quiet now. He's kind of taking it easy. And uh, yeah. certainly one of the all-time greats. Uh, just real quickly, we're going to finish up here, Dukester. By uh, I, I want to throw a couple of names at you from guys that you worked with back in the day uh, at Ropers in Fridley that actually had a connection with the AWA. And just kind of a lightning round kind of deal here. Just tell me in a couple of sentences your take on these guys as you remember them. First of all. Talk about Sean Waltman, Lightning Kid. Oh man, Sean just—he was a great guy, uh, great guy, great talent. Um, uh, as we saw years later, man, how talented he was. Uh, I got to work with him. Uh, uh, I think Dale had me work a championship match with him up a more where I turned the belt over to him. Okay, but. Uh, yeah, he was just a great guy. I was good. I was every time I would see him, I'd give him a hug. You know, when I was having trials with uh, WWF, or just a great guy, great guy. You know, here's here's another way that you can measure time. When Sean broke in, he was working those shows at Ropers and Fridley. When he first started, he was 17 years old, and Sean just celebrated his 50th birthday. Wow. So, yeah. So wow. I, it is just, it is flying by. Um, let, me, let me run another name past you. Uh, a guy that I know you're very familiar with, our buddy Jerry Lynn. You know, it's, I was thinking about him. 
I, I, I talked to Jerry after Zinc died. I thought I was on the phone with Jerry an hour and a half. So he, uh, yeah, he's 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 in, he's got religion now, as 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 myself, uh, religious. Um, it was good talking to him. We talked about old stories and talked about uh, some of the guys I worked with over in Europe and some of the encounters he had with some of the guys. And but he was just a him and Sean. Oh, you couldn't follow their matches. You know they were so tremendous. You know that, Mick. They were. They would go out there, and I I remember one time, Sean. Shot, I was, or shot, or shot. I think Jerry said, oh, I'm going to die in the ring. Well, don't do that, you know. But they were so passionate, you know, passionate. Heck of a workers, you know. They they absolutely love love the business, love the business. All right, all right here's another guy that I'm going to bring up from the past. And this, I'm sure, is nothing but great memories for you. Randy Gusto. Let's talk about Randy. Judge Randy. <laughs> Randy. Randy was another great guy. He was he was fun. I always had fun working with him. Uh, he I don't know, you know he's, he he you know some he had, he was the real wrestler. Um, I don't know. I figured someone could have did something with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, they could have done something. I've seen some of the guys come through the business. And they could have done something. He was a he was a great guy. Um, I don't. I think he, well, he was a prison guard for many years. He's retired now. <laughs> and uh, I think I think uh, Shytown told me he moved back up. Did he go back to North Dakota? I'm not sure. One of the uh, one of the real characters, I always used to just love interviewing Randy Gusto when he would do that judge gimmick on uh, on TV. Loved him. I'm going to throw one more at you. Talk a little bit about Brad Ringens. Brad was another. I, <laughs> yeah, I I went to Brad's camp too and worked out um, worked out with him and uh, um, just a great guy. And I one of the things that that I re, I remember and I I just it's funny you said I just thought about this as I'm driving I drive a truck for uh, uh, nowadays I deliver. Van uh, meter electrical parts all over the airport, everywhere. And I was thinking about this one time, uh, and I was telling Brad how I keep getting hurt in the ring, and he goes, you know, Derek, most of that's your fault. Because if you see something not coming at you right, you have to maneuver yourself and to prevent yourself from getting hurt. And I remember this incident because uh I was over there working against Carl. Carl's name over in Europe was uh, Wild Wallace. I think he was Pierre Levesque or okay. the WWF. Yep, yep. He had the patch over his eye. Yes, yeah. sure. So we're in, a, we're, we're in a match, and he's going, Derek, have you ever took a Lamont saw? No, no. Nope. So there's a so he slams me, but I think it wasn't his fault because I bounced. I, I bounced. And then he got on a rope to do the moonsault. And as I'm looking up, his knees is coming right to my face. And I can see this in slow motion. The first thing I thought about is when uh, Warlord crushed Animal's face with the Samoan drop. And I'm saying, this is all going through my mind. And I'm going, if I don't move, he's going to smash my face in. So right at the last second, I moved my neck up, moved up real quick, 
and he landed perfectly. But that that keeps reminding Brad all the time because I remember him saying that if you don't, if you see something cockeyed, you better fix it because it's it's your it's going to be your fault. And I love Brad, just the nicest guy. I've only seen him angry along with Baron. I only seen Baron angry one time and Brad. And Baron was angry because we, was, we it was me him and Adnan going to some show we had to drive. But the guys were, we were all at the gym out there in Plymouth, and the guys were screwing around, and we needed to leave. And I, that's the first time I've seen Baron get angry. And I saw Brad angry up in Canada. Uh, and he was angry, I think, at Manny Fernandez for something. But that's the only time I've ever seen him, I've ever seen him angry. You know, just the nicest guy, you know. Don't mess with them. <laughs> oh my God! No, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I get the sense yeah. that Brad Riggins is definitely somebody that you don't want to mess with. Last question that I want to ask you, Derek, is when it's all said and nope. done. Nope. <laughs> uh, when, uh, when it's all said and done, how do you want people to remember Derek Dukes in the wrestling world? Well, I, I, I consider myself, to be honest with you guys, as a, as a, sh, a, sh, a, show, a showman. So I wanted to put on a show. You see, I was limited. I probably should have limited myself to certain things I did. But see, my, my all thing was I get the crowd before I get in the ring. So now I already got you. And... Some some people don't don't understand that we are entertainers. This stuff is entertainment, and so you make your job harder if you don't get the people before you get in the ring. You know, some people can't. Some people some people don't have. You got people like Brody or they don't have to. Their 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 style is so sadistic. They don't have to get in a get the crowd going there. You know because that's their gimmick and they look wild and you know. You know what I mean? And some people I used to watch and, you know, they get in the ring going, and the crowd's not doing anything. And, and I remember Mick said this. This is very true. Mick had to go after somebody on Facebook. But Mick is totally true about this. And he goes, you know, guys, if I, if, if, if I didn't commentate on your match, and you, the crowd just saw your match on TV, they'd fall asleep. And he's right. Because if some people just don't have, just don't have, have it, and it's yeah. the make covers, make used to cover for my horrible, horrible interviews. Oh my goodness. And he'd have to carry me when I, my first interviews were up there in uh, Winnipeg. And I'd be holding on to Mick for dear life because I was clueless. <laughs> but some, but you have to be a show person. And there's some great workers, guys. I'm, I don't want to mention any names. Um, uh, some of them are dead. But I watched him going, this guy is just boring, and they're paying him. This kind of money? I, I don't get it. But, hey, if they got it, you know. But I, I, I was more or less a showman, you know. And I tried to put on a good show and and make the people happy, you know, and that, that was, that was just me, you know? Hey, as, as you and I, I we used to say all the time, you and I, AG, remember it was AG, all, all gimmick. 
I'm all gimmick. I love it. I love it. All gimmick. I love it. Hey, I got one more. Okay. Man, can I, can I tell you this quick story? Do you remember we were out in California and uh, I was wrestling Larry and I think Zeus was wrestling Abby on that card. Uh, and, uh, and Larry and I were the uh, first match. And I think the time limit was 15 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever. And, and I kept getting out of the ring, getting the crowd, getting the crowd, taking the microphone from you, like yelling. You know, calling Larry a crybaby. And finally, Rob Russell stands up and goes, Derek, the match is only 15 minutes. You guys, it's 13 minutes. You're not even locked up yet. <laughs> oh, oh, God. See, I, 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 I just, uh, I, oh, look for God. Uh, I got so one more. Here's the biggest question of them all, Dukes, and I've been waiting till the end of the show to throw this one at you, and we're going to go back 30 years again. I want to know, did you ever get even with Mark Gastineau? <laughs> for, for... You so funny. <laughs> you, 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 know, you know, Mick, you know, someone, I, I learned years later, I, I learned years later that they wanted... Uh, that Vince was going to do something with with that whole incident that we had. Yes, but but Mark Mark wanted to come in and work. If if I heard this correctly, Mark wanted to come in and work on top with the guys he had not been trained. I don't know if that's true. If that happened, but uh, yeah, you know, I looked at that thing. I go, man, I wish I never would have did that. You know, and people are always asking me. Hey, you think you could have beat him? I tell dude, I wasn't. I've only got Ron Peterson trained me. I, I tell a story, but he only trained me a few times, a little bit in Blaine, a little bit in St. Paul. And uh, he, but Mark trained a lot more. He probably would have knocked me out, you know. But he was scared. He he was his dad was scared that I wouldn't do the job because his dad kept his dad told me, yeah, look, I, I appreciate you doing this. Doing this for Mark, and uh, you sure you don't have a problem with it? I go look, look, this stuff. Don't worry about it. You know, that's, I, I'm not a boxer. I'm, I've had lessons. You know, I could. And I've had a had a had a uh, match and had sparring, but no, I'm, we'll be fine. You know, but I wish I wish I could have made money off it because I I was watching TV and I saw years later. I don't know, maybe ten years on USA. They talked about it. They talked about a book that came out and. Nothing ever. I've never made any money. <laughs> and, and, and for the fans, the, the, fans that in. the fans that aren't familiar with it, you know, uh, Mark Gastineau, former football player, decided he's going to get into pro boxing, and man, he was going to be the the next big thing. And mm-hmm. and poor Dukes has to go in there and <laughs> sell for Mark Gastineau. And I remember. Derek, I remember this like it was yesterday because right after that, or shortly after that, we went on the tour to Australia. And I remember saying to you, was the heat that bad back home after you took that back bump for Mark Gastineau that you had to go all the way to the other side of the world 
to get away from the heat. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Mick. It got worse. So, so when I got to Australia, um, I this is what happened. They started talking to me over there. And you know what I did? I said, "That's that's not me. I have a twin brother." He, my twin brother, did that. So, when I my brother calls me back up, well, dude, why'd you say that it was me? Yeah, he found out about my brother in Ohio. He go, I said, dude, I had to get that off me because they they wouldn't, they wouldn't leave me alone. I said I was over in Australia, and they, if I would have said it was me, they weren't going to leave me alone with it. They just kept asking and asking, and I finally lied and said it was my brother Norris who did that, and uh, he wasn't too happy. <laughs> after after thirty one years, this is the first time I ever heard that. That is tremendous. Yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah. Boy, oh my gosh. All right, Chris, I think uh, I think that's about it, huh, Pally? <laughs> oh man, like this the the last two weeks you guys have just they've been incredible. Like I, I just when you think that the stories can't get any better, and I, I just I thought, you know, the, the the arc of everything too, like going into the Larry Cameron, uh I mean that was just I'm just sitting here just in awe of just the story and, and being put in that emotion and, you know, the good and the bad. So uh, Derek, man, I, I appreciate this. This was a treat to, to get to finally meet you and to, you know, hear you reminisce, tell some of the stories with Mick and, you know, hopefully we'll be able to do this again down the road. Oh, I had a lot of fun. It was good seeing my old buddy Mixter and it was great to meet you, uh, Chris. It was, I had a wonderful time talking about all the old stories and, but Mick has aged us because, uh, man, I can't, I can't believe uh, Sean's 50 years old now. Isn't that something? Wow. Isn't that, isn't that wow. crazy? Yeah, I know, buddy. I, uh, yeah, he was just a kid. Believe me, I know. Hey, before we let you go, I'm going to be in touch with you about the AWA reunion that I'm going to be putting together here. And I want you there, buddy. Okay. So, uh, you know. I'll let you know where and when. Got to have the Dukester there. Okay. You got my, Mick, you got my number, right? I have all 15, 20 numbers. I got your burner cell phones. <laughs> I've got, uh, I got everything. I've got a book on you that's like the Chicago phone book, buddy. I, I only got two numbers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you sure do. Yeah, all right. Two numbers. Dukester, take care of yourself, man. You too. Okay, so Mick, I'll hear from you soon about that reunion, huh? You sure will, bud. Yep. Okay, yeah, you guys be safe. Take care now. Take care of yourself. All right, thanks, Derek. All right, there he goes, uh, Derek Dukes. Man, that, that was good. That was good because you know, we had initially started to do this in one episode, but I could tell quickly about 25 minutes in, like there was so much more meat on the bone, Mick, uh, that we were able to to get from him, and, and it was great. Like great storyteller, and I really hope that you can work it out that he's one of the individuals that you can get at the reunion when eventually, whenever we're, you know, not we, you, uh, whenever you're able to get that thing together, because I think oh, he, fans he, would love to see him. He he's going to be there, and and I you know just to follow up about Derek Dukes, if if you. 
for the people who paid close attention to this podcast the last two weeks, Derek Dukes is a very thoughtful guy. And, you know, he, he remembers everything like it was yesterday. Um, like I said at the outset, had this guy been in another era, 10 years either way, uh, Derek Dukes would have been a megastar in this business. I mean, you know, you can look at the New Day as an example. Yeah. You know, I, I could certainly see the Dukester, you know, being a part of that. On a personal level, as nice a guy as you would ever want to meet. And he, he talked seems, about. He just, he just seems genuine. I think oh, that's the word. He, he seems genuine. He is. And, you know, we talked about him working at People Serving People, which was a, a program for the homeless back in the day. Yeah, that's what Derek Dukes is all about. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very proud to call him a friend. And yes, we're going to get him for the AWA reunion. Yeah. So uh, I want to thank Derek again uh, for his time as well. Uh, let's go ahead and get the uh, the final plugs out of the way here, Mick. Uh, I know we didn't do it last week because we kind of made the executive decision on the fly to turn it into two parts. Uh, that being said, that we didn't have the shout outs last week, but... Let's go ahead and give the shout-outs this week. To my buddy, Dale Spear. Uh, Dale, a former broadcast colleague of mine here on the independent scene in the state of Minnesota. He's been in broadcasting for many, many years. He's had executive positions. He is a, a true sports fanatic, a great lover of old-school professional wrestling, and one of my dearest friends and confidants. So shout-out to Dale Spear. Right. And uh, once again, uh, uh, I'm going to give mine again to uh, Brad Morrison. I think I gave him one a couple weeks ago, but uh, continues to be very active on Twitter. So, uh, uh, Brad, uh, again, for you, uh, always one of the first ones to jump on any of the tweets and, and believe us uh, that uh, that is very much appreciated. Uh, that being said, Mick, um, kind of tell us uh, what's going on with this reunion. You kind of vaguely mentioned it uh, in AWA reunion that you're currently in the process of, of working on at time and a date still TBD. Absolutely. And, you know, logistically, uh, you know, a lot of, well, I can't even say a lot of the AWA guys don't live here anymore because there's not a lot of AWA guys left, which is really sad to say, mm -hmm. uh, but there are some in the area, in the general vicinity uh, they turned up the last time we did this reunion, and hopefully we can get them locked and loaded again. And if you're an old-school wrestling fan and you realize, unlike some assholes out there on the Internet, if you realize the importance of the AWA and you realize the scope and the territory, mm -hmm. uh, you're going to want to relive the days of yesteryear with the few guys that are left. So we will let you know right away where and when not applicable to uh, those outside the three state uh, the tri-state area oh, yeah, yeah not applicable to those outside of uh, minnesota wisconsin and uh the dakota well that was uh, it that's that that was the end of it uh, pretty much yeah that's pretty much it i mean nothing else uh, nothing else existed i want to thank uh soda stick as well for the great awa unleash swag go to sodastickco.com uh get a you know get a t-shirt get a hoodie then send a picture and we'll get it on the show. Uh, also, 7th Avenue Pizza. You can see the logo up there in the corner. Uh, great frozen pizza, you guys. If you love frozen pizza, and believe me, 
Uh, I've got Body by Pizza. Highest quality, best tasting ingredients on the market. Uh, 7th Avenue Pizza.com. And uh, as well, rate, subscribe, review, especially on YouTube. YouTube has a tendency to really be kind of where most people are taking a look at it. So take a look at it. And again, just YouTube, you know, just subscribe, rate, review, just you know, help us grow and go to our AWA Unleashed fans page on Facebook. Uh, Brian put it together. Jeremy does a great job of moderating. You know, Mick's on there. I'm on there. And uh, a great job by that. So, uh, Mick, the last two weeks have been fun. And uh, we're still we're still ramping up. We've, we've still got a lot of stuff in the can. It's pretty unbelievable kind of how we don't really know, like, what the topic's going to be from week to week sometimes. I'd like to be able to promote it. But at the same time, we've got so many things that are fluid. I mean, they say card subject to change. We've got all these things that are happening. We just don't know in what order. And I don't think it's fair to put something out there and then have it change. You know what? It, it's the world of wrestling. Like you said, program is subject to change. Yep. And, you know, sometimes the surprise, like you said, we don't know until the very last minute sometimes. And you can tell. I mean, really, honestly, Chris, you, yeah, you know, it's, not, it's not a gimmick. It's, it's not a gimmick. We don't, our, we don't know our ass from a hole in the ground, you know, nine times out of ten, but we come out here and we wing it, you know. So, yeah, we'll continue to do that. That's what we're all about.